The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Welcome to a special edition of VCU Rams Rewind, sponsored by Lady Nollins in Richmond. Patronize Lady Nollins if you're sick and tired of turkey and ham. And your usual Christmas fare, go on down there, get some great Cajun food. This is a special edition of VCU Rams Ruin because thanks to VCU being in the COVID protocol, uh, their last two games have been canceled. And so they're going to end up going 15 days without playing a game. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So we're going to do something special tonight. We're going to take a look at VCU by the numbers, uh, which is something I do weekly in the uh, VCU Good, the Bad, and the Ugly group. And did it last Wednesday, thinking, of course, that there were going to be games coming up. Uh, so we're just going to update those numbers. And they've actually moved up in a few categories as a result of their inactivity. And try to put a context on their non-conference season and how they did. Uh, we're going to grade their non-conference season because unless they add a game somewhere down the line, their non-conference season is over. It is all A-10 games, starting with the one that we hope will get played this Thursday against George Mason. Again, more on that later. I was hoping to do this pod as I was watching Vanderbilt, one of VCU's uh, important non-conference victories, playing in the Diamond Head Classic Championship against Stanford, but Stanford has COVID issues and that game was canceled. What a kick in the pills that is for Vanderbilt. Uh, And somebody asked a very good question about Vanderbilt, so when we get done talking about the non-conference schedule. We'll get to that. But let's do VCU by the numbers. And we're just going to compare. We're just going to give you the number and where they ranked last week and where they rank now because, amazingly, in almost every case, they've actually moved up uh, despite not playing. VCU uh, scoring defense. They they averaged 56.7 points per game allowed. Uh, Last week, that was 11th. Uh, this week, as of Christmas night, or as of the 23rd, so that was uh, two nights ago, as a matter of fact, uh, as of the games on the 23rd, so it doesn't include any of the uh, Diamond Head Classic games that have been played uh, the last few days. You, VCU's up to 10th, right behind UVA, oddly enough, although UVA's not having a very good defensive season when you look at their Ken Pomeroy numbers, and we're going to do those in a minute. And just ahead of Virginia Tech, as I mentioned last week, uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia has, in some cases, been the Commonwealth of uh, Defense because a lot of uh, state of Virginia teams have showed up uh, at the top of these rankings. Uh, field goal percentage defense, VCU allows 36.36% uh, in field goal percentage defense. That is fifth best in the country behind only LSU formerly coached by Will Wade, Indiana, Southern California, and Arizona. So how about that? Uh, Fifth best uh, in terms of state of Virginia teams, VMI shows up in this one. They're seventh. Uh, Teams are only shooting 36.5% against them. And Norfolk State, who've had a pretty decent non-conference season, 
uh, their opponents are shooting 37%, so not too shabby there uh, from those two schools as well. So fifth best in the country in field goal percentage defense, but the coup de grace is the three-point field goal percentage defense, 21.4%. Uh, or excuse me, 23.8%. I, I, I miswrote that. 23.8% allowed, number one in the country, and that was number one in the country last week. So the toughest she- team to shoot threes against in the nation. Uh, absolutely outstanding. Virginia Tech, by the way, is 13th. Uh, teams only hit 25.9% against them. So VCU opponents are 51 of 214. Um, and it's just remarkable. Hampton, by the way, I missed them. They're 11th in the country. Teams are only shooting 258 against them. So that's a fantastic job from those Pirates. VMI is just outside the top 20. They're 21st. So, you know, that's VCU defensively in the country. And not surprisingly, their, their Ken Pomeroy numbers confirm that they're as good a defensive team as those numbers say they are. VCU is the third best team in defensive efficiency in the country. Only Tennessee... And LSU again, coached by our old by our old Bucker uh, uh, Will Wade, are ahead of them. They were fourth last week. Uh, they've moved just ahead of Baylor, which is interesting because Baylor has not given up, has not uh, given up uh, a lot of points this year and 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 not been held down too often. Uh, but they're just ahead of Baylor now. The interesting thing is, and and I want to make this point. VCU's defensive number is very impressive in this regard. Their opposition efficiency that they faced is 60th best in the country. That is better than everybody in the top 10 by a long way at this point, except for Auburn, who's 10th. Their opposing offense is the 74th best in the country. VCU's is 60th best. The two teams ahead of them, LSU's 165th. Their opponents are 165th best in offensive efficiency. Tennessee's is 138th. Baylor has gaudy defensive numbers and gaudy offensive numbers, but their opposition offenses have not been very good, only 282nd. Uh, Houston's 133rd. Uh, In fifth, Texas Tech, who's the sixth best in in defensive efficiency, uh, 320th. Iowa State is seventh best. They faced about the worst offenses in the country, 353rd. How many other teams are there in Division One? I? I think it's 360. 350, uh, 358 teams in Division One. So there you go. Uh, Arizona in seventh has faced 118th ranked offenses. In terms of offense efficiency, San Diego State's opponents are 135th. Now, the reason VCU is 78 in the in Ken Palm with that gaudy defensive number is their offense is atrocious. It's 270th. Granted, that's probably going to pick up a lot uh, with Ace Baldwin back in the lineup. That's what you hope. They were 279th last week, so they actually moved up nine spots without having to do anything. But here's the, here's the, the number that catches the eye the most. And this is something else that puts that puts them in a really good context. When you look at non-conference strength of schedule, adjusted uh, adjusted margin, VCU in the top in terms of those teams in the top 10 for defensive efficiency, by far the toughest, 59th ranked. 
So you got to congratulate Mike Rhodes, Jimmy Martelli, and everybody at VCU that that with this schedule they ended up playing one of the tougher schedules in terms of teams that are up there uh, among the best defensive teams. And to give their offense a bit of a pass, they've actually faced pretty decent opposing defenses. Their opposing defenses they faced are 76 in defensive efficiency, which is a lot tougher than a lot of the teams they're playing in the, that 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 uh, that are ranked up there in defensive efficiency like that. But 59th in non-conference, that, that's up 14 points. And so, yes, 78 in, in Ken Palm, you'd like that to be better. But let's but let's understand this. You know, their their defense is every bit as good as the normal numbers numbers say they are. The advanced stats love them. Uh, when it comes at least come, when it comes to defensively, what is interesting is they're only the fourth best A ten team by Ken Pomeroy. Rhode Island is ahead of them at seventy four. Saint actually their fifth best. Excuse me, Rhode Island's a bit just ahead of them at seventy four. St. Bonaventure is ahead of them at 66. Richmond's ahead of them at 60, and there's Davidson at 54. So, you know, this this uh, the, the conference has kind of taken a beating uh, in some quarters because of how they've played, but you're, you're seeing some decent numbers out of, out of those schools there. And then you go to the net ranking. Now, last week, uh, when we did, when I did this, they were eight, uh, they were 76th in the net. I think they've actually fell just a tiny bit in the last week. They are now, as I get to the top here and go to the A10, they are now 70. So they have moved up. And what's interesting is they've got the second best net now in the conference. They are only behind Davidson, who have been very impressive uh, this season and have really come up and are making some things happen. They're 46th. VCU, 70. St. Louis is right behind them at 71. Richmond's at 78. Rhode Island's at 93. Dayton, who's got the big win over Kansas, is 105. St. Bonaventure's all the way down at 112. Uh, so they got to get a move on here. But think of that. St. Bonaventure's preseason favorite. And they're only one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best in terms of net in the A10, which means the A10, which was taking a beating early because they were losing some bye games and you know things weren't looking so hot. They're not doing too bad. They got what I think we said six teams in the top hundred. Let me see. Let me go back and make sure because I'm going to compare them with another mid-major conference that's getting a lot of praise. They got five teams in the top hundred. And Dayton aren't that far outside. St. Bonaventure, you'd expect, would get in the top 100 by the end of the year. Uh, and the West Coast Conference getting a lot of praise, and deservedly so. They're having their best season in a while. They got four in the top 50, and then they got Santa Clara at 89, and then after that, everybody's in triple digits. So that, that kind of tells you something right there. Now, uh, that the A-10 is kind of better than you think. Now, let's talk about their non-conference schedule and who they played because we're going to give this a grade uh, for the year. And, and uh, let's also – let's actually let's start by the teams that they were supposed to play and didn't. They were supposed to play Penn State. They did not. They were supposed to play New Hampshire. They did not because of the COVID. Probably ends up helping VCU, actually. Penn State's 108th in the net. Um, and the Big Ten, while still pretty fearsome – 
is not like last year when the Big Ten was crushing everybody in non-conference play and you had, you know, what was it, 11 or 12 teams that were in the top 75. So Penn State was a quad one win even though they were in the bottom third of the eight of the Big Ten for the entire year. Not the case this year. So that's who we missed out on there. New Hampshire is 172. And that sounds terrible, but then you look at um, you look at the rest of the America East, and you see that New Hampshire has the second best net number in that conference, behind only Vermont, who's in the top 100. So probably probably two games that were no win situations for VCU. Maybe it ends up better that they didn't play them, but that's who they that's that's who they. Uh, that's who they missed out on. Now we're going to look at everybody they've played and what their net is today. Uh, we'll start with their opening game. We'll start with uh, St. Peter's. And let me see here. Okay, I reversed this, so let me just find it one second here. St. Peter's. I will get to them in a minute because I'm scrolling down here. St. Peter's is 275th in the net. So thank God they didn't lose that game. And then next is, of course, Wagner, which everybody was killing him for. It was a terrible loss of time, and it may still turn out that way. But believe it or not, Wagner right now is in the top 50 in the net. They're 42nd. Maybe that's been helped by some of their COVID pauses. You know, playing in the Northeast Conference, that number's going to come down. But that's pretty darn impressive from Wagner. It's pretty darn impressive for anybody in the Northeast Conference uh, to get that kind of a number because you just don't see it too often. They're in the top 50. Your next best Northeast Conference team is 265, and that's Bryant. So, you know, pretty historic what Wagner's doing uh, so far so far uh, this year. And so, again, at least today, right now, that's not nearly as damaging a loss as we all would have thought it was going to be. And then, of course, there's Vanderbilt. And actually, you know what? I'm going to leave Vanderbilt for last because I had a great question in the group when I put up a post about Vanderbilt playing, thinking they were going to play tonight, and they didn't. So Chattanooga out of the SOCON. Again, both meant to be pretty darn good in the SOCON. Chattanooga is 40th in the in the net. So <laughs> the funny thing about that is Chattanooga is only five spots away from that being a quad one game. <laughs> so again, bitter defeat. Bitter pill that they lost it in the way that they did would have been a really good win as it is. But Chattanooga, and again, it's going to come down a little because they're going to play in a SOCON. They're going to play some bad teams in the SOCON, although, again, the top of that league is really good. So, you know, that, that's, again, not as terrible a loss as you would have, as, as a lot of people would have, might have said when it happened. Not the case. Not the case at all. Then we get Syracuse, the other team we're looking out for because, uh, you got a nice win over them in the Bahamas. Syracuse. We get down to those S's. 118th in the net. Oh, that's going to have to get a lot better. That really needs to get a lot better uh, to help VCU out. But look at that. 118th in the net right now. Not good. Not good. And of course, Baylor. You'll be unsurprised to find out there. By the way, they're. Uh, in Ken Palm, if you're curious, Baylor is number two overall behind only Gonzaga. The advanced metrics like Gonzaga the best. Baylor in the net is, of course, number one with 11-0. and 
and with two quad one wins. How about that? Baylor, number one right now. So that is uh, certainly a feather in the cap that VCU played them and played them so well. And, of course, that's that's going to be factored into this grade for the non-conference as well. Then we have our pals Connecticut with our old buddy uh, doggone stinking uh, – Dan Hurley, if I can find it, where the heck are Connecticut's? Where the heck are they? Are they listed under something else? Because they're not listed where they should be. Oh, they're listed under UConn, that's why, instead of Connecticut. What are you doing? Anyway, Connecticut's 16th in the net. Pretty, pretty stout uh, from the Huskies, so that'll stay up there. Again, that was quad one opportunity. Those fighting Campbells of Campbell. Let us see what we got with those folks here. Camel Campbells. What are we got with them as we're trying to find uh, them here on this list? One second. Campbell is 156th. Uh, so that, that, again, it was one of those that they dodged a real bullet there. Let's see how that ranks with the rest of the Big South real quick. Uh huh. In the Big South, that is actually the best. They are actually got the best net in the Big South, just at a Longwood. Uh, unusual to see them that high in the Big South that way, and uh, they're at 174. And then Winthrop, who I think was a preseason, uh, preseason uh, favorite in that league, they're they're 198. So how about that, Campbell? Best uh, net in that conference. So again. That may turn out to be a better win than what people think, but of course we got a long way to go uh, with that one. And Jacksonville State in the A Sun, second best net in the A Sun behind Liberty. Jacksonville State's one thirty-seven uh, in uh, in the net. ODU, that's probably not going to be too good at all. ODU, I would have thought. Let's get to Conference USA, Old Dominion. All right, Old Dominion's 243, which is one of the worst ones they've got in the CUSA right now. Yeah, it's been a tough season for them. They felt really good to beat them, but yeah, that's that's not going to help us much. And Florida Atlantic is right above them in terms of uh, their ranking in the net. Uh, their ranking in the conference in the net, they're 226th. So certainly dodged a bullet in both cases there. So what do you rate their non-conference schedule? It's tough because they've played a very good one. The non-conference strength of schedule uh, for Ken Pomeroy says that they did. And I think our eyes tell us that they did as well. Again, you know, some of these teams that we've been talking about, even with their low net ratings, are teams that are going to contend in their league and make, and make some serious noise and they have to be reckoned with. They're going to be a team that's going to need to be reckoned with at some point. Huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe maybe a touch harsh and I'm gonna give it a C. And and I have to do that because you know the the, the Wagner loss, which again doesn't look too bad right now, may look a little worse when we get to March. And of course it was pretty terrible. They all only scored forty four points and they were just so abject the second half. And then they missed a, you know, they barely lose to Chattanooga, which would have turned out to be a really good win at this point. And, of course, what happened in the Bahamas with two very close losses, either of which would have been a sensational quad one wins. 
if they had beaten Chattanooga at home, which they should have, we would be up to a B. If they had beaten UConn and Chattanooga, it would have been a B plus. If they had beaten Baylor, forget the other and forget the other two results, it would have probably been an A. Let's be honest; it would have probably been an A, maybe even an A plus, especially if they'd have won that tournament. Because I think if they beat Baylor, I think they beat Michigan State the next day and win that tournament, and then we're having a whole different conversation. Now Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt—that's the interesting one. S in the SEC, Vanderbilt in the net is currently 83. Paul Seward, going to call him out here because he asked a very good question uh, in the VCU Good, the Bad, and the Ugly group about my thoughts on where Vanderbilt is going to end up in the net this year. Now, the interesting thing about Vanderbilt, as I said, 83. 83 in the league. 83 in the net. They are, in terms of the SEC, as, as is unsurprisingly the case. And, it, and the good thing is, it may bear itself out that the SEC is going to end up one of the better conferences this year. Uh, the bottom of that conference is not great. Uh, you know, Georgia and Missouri are in the 200s. But you've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the top 50. And you have Florida just hanging outside the top 50 at 51. Plus, AM, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas are all in the top 100. Because, and that means that Vanderbilt is going to have a ton, an absolute ton of quad one opportunities, the same way that Penn State did last year. You look at Vanderbilt, and they get in their conference play. They're going to start at Arkansas, which is not a quad one today, but if Arkansas moves in the top 75, it will be. As a for instance, uh, you know, then they've got Kentucky at home. Kentucky will be a quad one opportunity in all likelihood. They're currently 23. Tennessee at home will almost certainly be a quad one team opportunity. They're eighth. At Florida is a quad one win, to, would be in a quad one game today, and will probably stay one all season. At Kentucky certainly is. LSU at home. That's their third, so that's a quad one for you. At Tennessee is definitely a quad one. At Auburn is a quad one. Texas A&M today is a quad one. That may not be the case when they play them in February, but that could be a quad one game as well. Alabama is a quad one game and will probably stay one all season. That's at that's at home. Uh, Mississippi State on the road is a quad one opportunity. Florida at home is not a quad one opportunity today, but it might be one by the time they play them on March 1st. And then you got Ole Miss, that won't be. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten potential quad one opportunities, maybe even 11 if you want to count Arkansas on the road which is their opening conference game. And now that their Stanford game is off, that's the next game Vanderbilt plays. So will Vanderbilt end up in a position where that could be a quad one win for us? Oh, that's a tough one for me because they do have a quad one win. They beat BYU on the on, in that tournament out in Hawaii. That's their quad one win. They lost to Loyola Chicago in a game that they were not that far away in. They got to get to 75. 
And you would think with all those quad one chances they're going to potentially have, you know, they may end up with 13 or even 14 quad one games by the end of the season. You got to think there's a good chance that that's going to get to quad one territory. And I have to admit when Todd St. Pierre posted his first net report, I sort of poo-pooed the idea that that would be, at least in my head, that that would be a quad one game. It probably will be. Um. And if they can get to 50, that would even, if they could get to the top 50, that would even be better. I think they would have to be pretty close to 500 in the SEC to do that. Of course, and of course, if they are, they're going to be a chance to make the tournament because, again, the SEC looks fairly loaded. It's not quite Big Ten territory last year, but it's also going to be pretty darn good by the looks of it. You know, the Pac-12's got one, two, three, four, five, six in the top 100 and only three in the top 50 as a for, as a, for instance. Let's see here. Who else? Look at these other big leagues just to try to compare uh, conferences so we can get a nice, accurate comparison. The Big Ten has got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the top. Okay, so maybe it will end up being like last year. It's going to be close. They got 10 in the top 50. The problem is everybody else after that's outside the top 100. So, I mean, they had top 100 teams going down to 11th and even 12th in the league last year. Um, the bottom four of that, of that conference looks really bad. Maybe Maryland can turn it around under Danny Manning, but I doubt it. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the SEC is not far off what the Big Ten is doing. The Big East is kind of top-heavy, too. They got one, two, three, four, five. So they got four in the top 50, and then five, six, seven in the top 100. Everybody else is out in the top 100. Uh, the rest are outside. The Big 12, the Big 12 is pretty loaded this year, just as they usually have. Actually, everybody in the Big 12 is in the top 100, uh, which means Baylor, as long as Baylor doesn't lose more than one or two games, Baylor will probably stay at number one all season because they're going to have a low, they're going to have a, a crap ton of uh, quad one opportunities themselves. Uh, let's see here, and then the ACC for good measure one. This and, and people talking about how weak the ACC is. They ain't lying. One, two, three, four teams in the top fifty, five, six, seven teams in the top hundred. So that's you know half the league is outside the top hundred including a team like Virginia that's 113th, Syracuse 118th. Those are teams that you kind of usually count on to be up there. They're not up there this year. In fact, Virginia Tech's got the second-best net at 29. Uh, but to, to get to, the, to after that long discussion and com- comparison, I would say that Vanderbilt ought to get to 75, and that for us is the magic number because 75 and better – means that Vanderbilt becomes a quad one win because it was on the road. Uh, I think they could certainly get into the top 60 uh, and maybe into the high 50s, but I think to do better than that, they're going to have to get to 500 or better. But maybe they're going to be capable of it. I mean, look, they're not doing – I mean, they're not doing that terrible. Let's see here. Vanderbilt, I think, was just ahead of us in the – yeah, they're 73 in Kempom and they're 8-3. and uh, those Commodores. So, and remember, they won that game without without Ace Baldwin. So, that's going to look even better to the committee if they're looking if VCU's resume is good enough to be anywhere near for an at large. If they're in the at large pool, uh, that's something to look about look look at. So, 
Again, I'd, I'd give VCU a C. It's tough to get, go higher than that, not only because of the two home losses, but because of how close they got in the Bahamas in those two other games, and they couldn't pull it off, especially that Baylor one. That Baylor one, it just sticks in my craw to see Baylor undefeated, number one in the AP poll, number one in the net, number two in Ken Palm, and VCU came that dead gum close to beating them. It would have been just such a monster win. Would have been so humongous uh, for the Rams to get that. And but again, as long as ba- if Baylor ends up the number one overall seed, uh, committee members are going to see that result, and then they're going to talk to anybody that on that committee that watched that game and and know how close VCU came to winning, and they're going to sit there and go, okay, you know, maybe this, maybe that means this team's one of the thirty six best at larges if they can play the number one team in our bracket, and at least as of today. Baylor, you'd think it'd have to be the number one overall seed, uh, even if it doesn't count. Being the defending national champion matters, and certainly being undefeated in the manner in which they are matters. And I'll add this, looking at Baylor's schedule just to see only one other team has held Baylor under 70. That was Villanova, and Baylor beat them by 21 points. So big whoop that Villanova held them to 57. They got walloped. Uh, The only other team that has that has been within single digits of Baylor this year is Oregon. That was at Oregon, not on a neutral floor. And uh, Baylor won that game 78 to 70. They have one more non-conference game. The bears are playing Northwestern state who they'll probably beat like a drum uh, on Tuesday, uh, December 28th. Cause you will, I expect most of you will be hearing this Monday. And then, then January one, they start with conference play with Iowa state and go through that gauntlet. That is the big 12. So that is uh, so that's the situation there. That is how I view the VCU non-conference. Now we got to talk about the next game, George Mason, who has given VCU trouble down at the Siegel Center. And of course, worse than that is the fact that we are now talking about 15 days having not played. That is worrisome from many fronts, not just the rust in general. And, and how do you knock that off without overtiring your players in practice? But you worry about a guy like Ace Baldwin having come off uh, that horrific injury, having played as well as he has since coming back. You worry that, that he's been in a routine. You know, they've been playing these games three and four days apart. Um, and now that's been thoroughly disrupted. You wonder how his body's going to hold up. You know, play it with such a long time off, and and uh, it'd be interesting. I'd love to know what Mike Rhodes has done and what the what the training staff has done to sort of keep keep Ace Baldwin sort of on that similar line in terms of you know physical output and the fact that you know every it's been every three and four days that we've been playing since he's returned, and now he's had we've had this big break, and again you know it's it's funny too. We're, you talk about getting right, getting right in it. You go. We come off this 15 days, and then it's Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and then we have the week off uh, after that Friday game, which is that St. Bonaventure on January 14th. Uh, you know, so that's that's the interesting th- that's the interesting thing there for me is you know we're we're dropped right in the soup and we're going. And of course, with these two other games, they're canceled. 
instead of what was it? I think we said it was an eight game run to to uh, to uh, through the new year before they start on the road with Dayton in January fifth. It's now going to be six, obviously. Mason, and of course that Davidson game, which you know looked like a kind of who knows game three four weeks ago, is now a massive game because Davidson, you know, is is the number one net team in our conference and has been absolutely impressive. That's a monster, monster game. But George Mason, and look, it's it's about the mentality of the team, and and you know it's about not buying into what people are saying about oh Mason's not really our rival and all this. Uh, George Mason don't feel that way, and and you know there have been games where VCU has has given them you know knocked them over and whooped them bad and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's also been games when we've gone there, uh, uh, where they, where they've stuck it to us, you know, we swept them in 28, 2019, but I think it was, uh, 2019, 20 when they, when they, when they jumped us at, uh, when they surprised us after we won up there, I think, yeah, they surprised us. Well, we lost 72, 67, uh, the seventy-two sixty-seven at home, and that was the beginning of a real death spiral for VCU. That was the first of five consecutive losses that pretty much took them out of the at-large equation and sent them tumbling down the uh, the ladder in conference play. And then I think they beat us again at home uh, last season, if memory serves. So I think it might be two wins in a row that they've had uh, they've had at the Seagull Center. And that's right, they lost seventy-nine seventy-six, and that was a game where rebounding really killed them. Uh, and also, that was a game where Ace Baldwin and Bones Highland, I think, both got hurt towards the end there. So, two seasons in a row, George Mason's coming to the Siegel Center and won, which, as we've documented to other people many times, not a lot of teams do it. Not a lot of teams have come into the Siegel Center and done that, and they've done it twice in a row. So, it's a, it's. I was impressed with VCU when they played ODU in what was a rivalry game, and they had some struggles in that game early, especially defensively, but it was not a question of effort. It was not a question of mentality. They didn't just turn up and think they had to roll the balls out and that was it. They had the right mental approach and and they just made some adjustments defensively that really worked and they were dominant in the second half against a rival. Well, I'm expecting the same thing here with Mason in the sense that treat them like it's a rivalry. Treat that that it matters to us as much as it matters to them. And and let's just let's let's go in there and let's put our marker down in game one of the conference season that that we're not fooling around here, and that we're we're going to do some business in this conference and we're going to dominate in this conference this year. That's that's what I want to see against George Mason. Treat it like a rival and stomp on them, and let's you know let's get our let's get knocked the rust off and get ready for uh, what is a monster game uh, the following weekend. Uh, the, excuse me, the following Sunday, uh, a week from when I'm recording this, uh, against Davidson, because my God, that is going to be a big, big game. And again, win these two games and be 2-0 and and have gone through this you know, state of Virginia homestand, essentially, unbeaten, and then you really set yourself up, uh, even with a tough road schedule and even with a real tough run the rest of January, you give yourself a chance to... to uh, to have a really great season in conference play and put yourself in the at-large conversation. So that is it. Uh, 
I am working that Thursday, but hoping that that the that the uh, post Christmas uh, deliveries are not as hectic and not as numerous, and I can get home early enough. I will be attempting to get home and watch. The fact that it's on ESPN Plus certainly doesn't hurt in this case. And so I will be hoping to give you a live video uh, in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly group Thursday night. And, of course, a pod the next day, uh, Friday, which, of course, will be the last day of uh, 2021. So that is what we're, that's what we're looking at for George Mason. I want to thank everybody for listening. I know I went a little long tonight, but there was a lot of – things to discuss here as we've sort of reached that point of the season thanks to these doggone cancellations we're done with conference play a non-conference play unless we throw a game in there somewhere and by the way if if you're thinking about that thinking about that possibility if that's going to happen the time for it to happen would be after that St. Bonaventure game January 14th because they have eight days off before they play St. Joe's. So if they're thinking of doing something like that, they're thinking of adding a game, a non-conference game against somebody that's short a game and wants to bolster their rep, bolster their rep, that's the date. That's that's the time frame right there. After January 14th, before January 22nd when they have when they have that midweek clear cuz that's when the uh, rotation gives them that day off. So that's VC Rams Rewind, sponsored by Lady Nolans. Thank you all for listening, uh, and talk to you after the George Mason game. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.